Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL being back. We will have our Jacks Pack, which is our NFL betting segment. We will talk about the MLB and what's going down there, and we will have our best for last. Now, remember, you can follow the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages at Sports, which is the Justin Time Sports page for breaking news, updates, and things of that nature. And don't forget to also like, subscribe, and rate on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts for the Justin Time Sports Podcast. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. guys welcome into an absolutely packed nfl based show i told you guys a few weeks ago we're gonna shift to a pretty nfl heavy show um sooner rather than later pretty much when the season started and the season is upon us uh way to get started nfl last night we had the cowboys and the bucks Admittedly, I went into that game thinking by end of the third quarter, I'd probably I'd have the game on, but it probably wouldn't be my primary focus. I'd pretty much have whatever I was gonna say out. You know, Bucks look great, Cowboys look like the Cowboys. Uh, it's gonna be a great season for the Bucks, not so great for the Cowboys. I pretty much had what I was gonna do in my mind. I thought eight and a half point point spread. Probably if I as a betting man, I would have took the under just because eight and a half points is begging for you. To take the underdog in Vegas, and I would have done it, admittedly, you know. But in my mind, my my betting mind would say take Dallas with eight and a half points. My mind, my football mind would have said take Tampa. Um, so my betting mind would have won, but I but I would have expected something 10, 12, 14 point victory by the end, and maybe it would have played closer than the score. But you know, one dagger touchdown from Brady to make it 13 point victory instead of a six point victory something like that uh was my expectation or maybe it'd be the reverse maybe the Bucks would be up 35 to 10 and then Dak missed the garbage time two garbage time touchdowns making an 11 point game but we all know uh, those of us who watch the game that the game was really a blowout you know that sort of thing where the final score would be a little misleading um but the Bucks would eventually cover and boy was I wrong um I couldn't have been more wrong. That game was exciting from beginning to end. And I'm going to look at it from, and I'm going to look at it in three perspectives. Total. Then I'm going to talk about the Bucks. Then I'm going to talk about the Cowboys or Cowboys and the Bucks, depending on how it goes. Totally, as a fan, I enjoyed it. As a football community, as a pe- as a fan of the game, as one of the millions upon millions who watched, um, that was the first game since the 2019 Super Bowl where Patrick Mahomes beat Jimmy Garoppolo, where we had a full stadium. Uh, thanks to COVID, even during the Super Bowl, when the Bucks expanded their capacity limits, it still was not a full stadium. So that was the first game where it was full stadium. You didn't see every coach on the sideline in mask. Um, if you didn't know COVID was a thing, Zach Martin being out reminded you. But if you didn't know COVID was a thing, you would not have thought for one second we're still in the middle of a pandemic. You know, um, it was absolutely great as a football fan. I felt that way about college football as well over the weekend where the crowds were amazing. The games were great. You know, again, if you didn't know 
that one or two players or staff members out with COVID, you wouldn't have known COVID existed, especially in college ball, right? There was no real big COVID storylines. It wasn't like, you know, Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell or somebody like that missed the game because of COVID, you know? It was um, packed stadiums. It was great to see. So in the NFL, conversely, Raymond James was packed. Um, it was a lot of Cowboy fans. I remember when Amari Cooper caught a pass, um, you heard a lot of cool chants. It was great. Um, so the atmosphere was amazing. Kudos to them. They dropped the banner. Uh, they had a great opening performance, great national anthem. It was a great spectacle for the NFL. And the game was exciting. It was a, it ended up being a walk-off field goal. Um, basically a walk-off field goal. I had two seconds left. But a walk-off field goal. You had the biggest brand in the league, in the biggest brand in the world, excuse me, in the sporting world, in the Dallas Cowboys. You had... Uh, Dak Prescott being back, showing he can still play. You had Tom Brady, even his advanced age, showing he can still hang with the kids. Um, you had Gronkowski making plays. You had a controversy, a little controversy at the end. You had um, missed kicks, made kicks. You had drops. You had big catches. You had touchdowns, interceptions. You had fumbles. Uh, you had great punting. Um, you had pretty much everything in this game outside of a pretty much a safety and a block punt or something like that, you know, but it was pretty much had everything in this game. I'm sure the ratings, I haven't checked the ratings this morning, but I'm sure they're through the roof. Um, absolutely great opening game for the NFL. When we saw Cowboys and Bucks, most of us thought it's going to be a blowout. It's going to be over by halftime. Maybe by the end of the third quarter, most of the country has switched it off and they're moving on to something else. But instead, it was an absolutely great game from start to finish. Started off a little slow, as expected. Week one, nerves, jitters. A um, couple of punts. Then Dallas uh, scores to CeeDee Lamb. Then Brady answers back. And then it was on. Uh, and so, absolutely great game. You had nerves towards the end. I mean, I'm not a fan of either team. I tell you guys all the time, I'm a Patriots fan. Um, and even at the end of the game, I find myself getting nervous. You know, heart starts to race a little bit because the energy was back. Every throw mattered, um, especially when the ball goes faster than the camera. You don't know where the ball is going, uh, so you're jumping. You know, it, it's it's a great it's a great feeling. You know, absolutely spectacular uh, feeling to have the NFL back in earnest. We played football last year. The NFL played last year, but it didn't feel like it was the NFL due to the fact of there was no crowd. Some stadiums were completely empty. Vegas was totally empty. Uh, when Brady had his great game, his first real great game as a buck was against Raiders, and the stadium was entirely empty. You know, it was totally, I mean, there wasn't a person in the crowd. Um, there were several other stadiums totally empty for most of the year. Some stadiums didn't let any fans in all season. Playoff teams started towards the end of the year to wean fans in. Um, but I don't recall Vegas ever letting any fans in, you know? So it's stuff like that where the crowd and the atmosphere, some of those major games would have been different. Um, and maybe things go a little different if the crowd is roaring. Uh, I can't, Vegas is one of those places I cannot see. Again, no fans saw it. The preseason was the first time that any fans were allowed in the stadium, in the stands. Um, SummerSlam actually was the first thing to kind of fill it up. WWE SummerSlam. Um, so it's going to be amazing to see Allegiant Stadium rocking and roaring and to see the kind of fan base they have. But back to the game, um, I'm going to switch to perspective. So I'm going to switch to the Cowboys perspective. If you're a Cowboys fan this morning, you wake up and go, God dang it, we should have won that game. We could have won that game. And 
our quarterback saying we're gonna see y'all again. We got nothing from Zeke uh, all night, but we still should have won the game. We lost Michael Gallup in the first half. We only had two of our trio, uh, and we were throwing up all over the yard for 400 yards. You know, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, something like that. Uh, we're a CD Lamb catch away from Dak not having an, an interception at all. It bounced off CD Lamb's hands. Our defense got four turnovers on Tom Brady led offense. Uh, we neutralized the run game. We kept Mike Evans off the board for the most part. Um, Jerry Jones didn't dominate the TV camera. You know, we did every score 29 points. Um, our kicker got figured out at the end. You know, there's a lot of things if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan to be excited about. Dak looks great. Zeke looks like he's in shape. You didn't even have Zach Martin, and Dak only got sacked one time. Um, and really, even that sack was kind of on him. Uh, he rolled out the pocket, took his two steps, should have realized, no, throw this away. So he was not sacked in the pocket once. Um, so if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you, like I said, wake up this morning excited. You wake up just ready to roll because of what is happening with your team your team looks spectacular early and so with that being said i'm gonna have to deliver you a little bad news you know you guys know i don't like doing this i don't like being the bearer of bad news but in this situation i'm gonna have to deliver some bad news here remember all those great things i just talked about it was a few minutes ago i'm sure you remember you know the 500 yards of offense basically uh like 450 Yards of offense, basically. 29 points. Four turnovers. And you lost. Now, granted, you lost because Tom Brady is the greatest football player to ever live. I won't even bring it up on the show as a topic because I refuse to acknowledge anyone else as number one. You can argue about number two. Start from there. But Tom Brady is the greatest clutch player to ever live, the greatest football player to ever live, by default, the greatest quarterback to ever live. So you lost because you left him a little too much time on the clock when Greg Zerline made the kick. Brady had the look on his face. Everybody there who wasn't a Cowboy fan, and probably most of the Cowboy fans watching, went, we're about to lose, aren't we? So you lost because he has Brady. But also, you could have got blown out. Chris Godwin is spinning into the end zone, and... Kazee's head literally happens to be right there. Kazee was going in to tackle his back, but Godwin was spinning and his head hit the ball perfectly. Well, that's another seven. So that's what, 38 points? Leonard Fournette drops a screen. He drops a screen pass. Then he just dropped it. That bounces right into the hands of, uh, of Diggs, who had the best part of Hard Knocks, which was his son, but bounces right into the arms of Diggs. If Fournette catches that, which he caught every other pass on the rest of the game, if Fournette catches that, Diggs is out there, Smith is kind of out there, and the Bucks have three offensive linemen. Leonard Fournette might still be running. He was gonna, I believe he was gonna hit his head on the goalpost. That's 45 points. It could have very, and you got two field goals. You got a field goal off of that one, and you got a, you, I don't think he scored off Godwin. Oh, and then, okay, I, I give you Rojo. He got he got punched out. This game could have easily been 45-26. But, 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 Justin, we missed four points of kicks. Okay, 45-30. Yeah, you can score a lot. 
but you're a couple of lucky breaks away from your defense being just as horrid as last year. Again, I don't like being this person. I'm not. I don't, I don't like. I don't like this. I'm not a fan of this. I don't like when I have to be the bearer of bad news. I like coming on here, giving you guys hope, and Jack's Pack. I make you guys some money, and I, I support the news, and I give you my opinion on stuff. I don't like being the bearer of bad news, but God damn it, I have to be. You could have easily gotten blown out. There was one path to you winning. It was this way: four turnovers, really three because of the hell mary, but four turnovers. 29 points, move Brady off his spot a few times, you cool off the run game. You know, like you you had a path to victory. You keep Dak upright. And you lost. I mean, I mean think about this, Cowboys fans. It, if I had told you pregame, Dak has 400 yards passing, you score 29 points. Each one of your receivers, your main two, Z, uh, Amari and CD goes over 100 yards. And you turn the Bucks over four times, you're probably thinking, oh, we won this kind of comfortably. 29-17, 29-20. But instead, you lost. Like you always lose. By the way, Dak is currently, I think, was 6-12 over his last few times trying to beat a playoff team. He still hasn't beat a playoff team since 2019. Yeah, Dak over his last 18 starts is now 6-12. and 12. Uh-huh. Look, again, I don't like doing this. But I'm seeing a lot of Cowboys on social media, and I'm seeing a lot of Cowboys on TV saying this is a moral victory. What the hell is a moral victory in professional sports? You got the perfect storm to win, and you find a way to lose anyway. Let's calm down, Dallas Cowboy fans. This was no moral victory. Off, your, your defense could have easily given up 45 points. This is not a moral victory for you. You know what? You know, you know what I learned about Dallas? Michael Parsons really good at football. Oh, wait, I knew that already. Dak Prescott's a top 10 level quarterback. Oh, wait, I knew that already. The defense is bad. Oh, wait, I knew that already. And they find a way to take defeat from the jaws of victory. Oh, wait. I knew that already. We learned nothing here about the Cowboys. Nothing at all. There's no reason to be excited this morning. You lost. And now you got people asking the question where the Cowboys underrated. They were appropriately rated. We figured they'd be 0-1 after week one. Oh, look, this morning is after their week one, and they're 0-1. But hey, hey. They got the Chargers on Sunday. We'll we'll talk about that next week, I'm sure. But uh, right now, Dallas, you're pretty much who we thought you were. High-level offense, piss-poor defense, 8-9, second place in your division. Good news is you don't play another uh, you don't play another playoff team until week 11. You might roll off some wins there. We'll see. I got you at 9-8. On the flip side, let's talk about the Bucks. What's that? What's happening with the Bucks? Bucks fans this morning, they're looking at, man, we had four turnovers. We still scored 31 points. We didn't even have a run game. And our defense got no pressure. And we still won. And that's exactly how you should feel, Tampa. You should feel like that was probably the cataclysm for you to lose. And you won. Two Brady picks and two lost fumbles. 
And you lost people. You got yeah, injuries all over the place. You lost uh, Sean Murphy bunting to a dislocated elbow. Probably out of four to six weeks. You lost. You didn't even have one of your starting defensive players because of uh, hamstring issues. You lost the other starting secondary member because he cramped up. And you won. Now, there were some negatives. Your secondary is weak. Dallas didn't even have a complete offensive line, and you only got one sack. Now, he was pressured 22 times, but he only got one sack. There was no run game. You pretty much abandoned it after the fumbles because Brady threw the ball 50 times. 50, 58 times, something like that. One had 50, one had 58. But Brady threw the ball 50 times. And you won. If I'm the, if I'm the Bucks this morning, I'm sitting kind of pretty. I'm kind of having fun here. I'm looking like, well... It could have gone a lot. It could, it probably couldn't have gone much worse, and we won. Do I think they're going twenty and zero? Of course not. I would never make that bet in my life, cause that just feels like one of those bad bet situations. But if I'm a Tampa Bay fan, I'm sitting there like, yeah, I think we're gonna win every game, cause you played about as bad as you can play, and you won. Versus a very game Dallas team who. Literally, watch Hard Knocks, which was great this year. Watch Hard Knocks. They've been building for this Tampa game for a couple of weeks. Like they've been like Dak and Kellen Moore both switched to Tampa. I mean, they didn't even work with the team pretty much the last week of uh, training camp. Kellen Moore didn't even call the game on Sunday on the last preseason game because he already switched to Tampa. So with two, whoa, 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 breaking news um okay mild breaking news i got i got pretty excited there for a second it's not really that big um nickelodeon will uh, the nfl slime time is starting nfl starting a new show on nickelodeon called slime nfl slime time uh will air at 7 p.m on wednesdays with nate burleson uh young dylan and uh a young reporter named dylan schefter um who would be a correspondent who is Adam Schefter's son. Um, so, you know, that is just a smile breaking news uh, there. So, new show on Nickelodeon, NFL expanding its brand once again to NFL Slime Time. But, back to the game. So, if I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, I'm, I'm kind of pretty this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with all the Cowboys fans saying we should have won if we could kick. I could point out three holding calls on the last drive against Vita Vea, specifically by Connor Williams, that were not called. So that's how Dallas even got to the field goal to even get to the last drive to even get to the walk-off field goal. Like, let's just not even do that, Dallas. But Tampa Bay Buccaneers, great game. A uh, good job on both sides. The production was great. As usual, the NFL delivered on its kickoff game. Uh, hell of a job uh, last night. Great way to open Thursday Night Football. But now on to this weekend. So we're going to talk about a few of the games. And, of course, we'll pick them in Jack's pack um, and do the point spread and all that stuff. We're going to keep track of that all year, like just like we did last year, where it was a total for the year. We were under 500 last year. I put a lot of that on COVID. Um, to be a professional gambler, you need to be about 60 61%. We were at 48 49%. Um, so not the greatest of records. We made a big comeback in the playoffs, a huge comeback in the playoffs. The regular season was rough. We made a huge comeback in the playoffs. Um, 
in the playoffs, we were like at 70%, 72%, something along those lines in the playoffs. So, me huge comeback in the playoffs. Getting regular season was a bit rough, but the playoffs we did well. So, I'm going to try and continue that momentum in Jack's pack, which will be our next segment. But like I said, we're going to stick with this upcoming week's games and just talk and just talk some categories in them. So, the first category we're going to talk about is rookie debuts. So, you've got Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, three-point favorites against the Houston Texans. I expect the Jaguars to win this game. Um, we'll leave a little bit of it because of Jack's pack, but I expect the Jaguars to win this game. Urban Meyer, it's a good, it's a hell of a landing spot. And as far as landing spots for your first game, they get, think about Urban Meyer's landing spot. He gets the first overall pick, so he gets Trevor Lawrence. He gets an owner in Shad Khan who's willing to spend money to make the team better and make the team more of an NFL franchise. Jacksonville kind of lags behind, and so he's willing to spend money of the NFL franchise. Part two, he is, or part three rather, he is also willing to give um, Urban Meyer autonomy, full autonomy on the football side. Shaq Khan runs the business side. He hires someone to run full autonomy of the football side. Done. Then his opening game is against a team I strongly believe is tanking in the Houston Texans. Because the Houston Texans knows that the Sean Watson era is over. So either he's gone during the season or we move him in the offseason. But the Deshaun Watson era is over. Well, we're not going to be able to just go pay for a quarterback. So in order for that to happen, we're going to have to uh, uh, pay for a quarterback, even get a good quarterback back in return, more than likely. So in order for that to save us, we're just going to go get cheap at the position, get the number one overall pick, keep Spencer Rattler in the Southwest, probably draft Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, and then he'll be the new uh, quarterback in a veteran on a veteran laden team. Houston's one of the oldest, if not the oldest team in the NFL, very veteran laden, um, including that starting quarterback Tyrod Taylor. So interject Spencer Rattler into this in a strong locker room, you know, etc. I believe Houston is taking. So that might this gives Jacksonville a very good chance, and we'll talk about it again in Jack's pack, but a very good chance of starting off their season one and Um if I am the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm very thankful to the schedule makers. Way to give us that break. Um, Houston, but but conversely, Houston has a good chance in this game, too. Um, because they, like I said, they're one of not the oldest team in the NFL. They have a very good quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. He's not special in any way, but he is special at not turning the ball over. He won't lose you the game. So let's say Mark Ingram and the rest of that running game gets off to a good start against Jacksonville's poorest defense. Couple of good throws by Tyrod. This could very well end up being 17 14. Six minutes left. Houston has the ball down three. Tyrod may get you seven points, you know? So it's going to be a very good game. Uh, rookie debut coaching on both sides. David Cully for Houston. Obviously, Urban Meyer for Jacksonville. Um, you get J- Trevor Lawrence debut in this game as well. So very interesting to watch that. We'll pick a winner in Jack's pack. The next debut is Zach Wilson of the New York Jets hosting the former Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold, and the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are four-point favorites. Um, go Panthers there. Um, in terms of the spread, I think the Panthers are going to put a teeth cutting on the uh, New York Jets. It might be double digits. Uh, Sam Darnold is going to be – he doesn't usually play angry. Um, but I think he's going to play with a lot of passion this game because he's going to go his first game away from the Jets is in MetLife against the Jets. 
versus the guy who they drafted to replace him and ship him out of town um, in Zach Wilson. And he's hearing how Zach Wilson's the special quarterback, and he's hearing how, you know, the Jets have a future now. And basically, it is a bunch of indirect shots at Sam Darnold and his perceived incompetencies. Now, you guys know I love Darnold. I think Darnold's going to have a great time in this Joe Brady offense. I mean, the one year we've seen it with Joe Burrow, he broke every collegiate record that was to break. Joe Burrow's the number one pick. It was so good, in fact, that Joe Brady gets hired as the offensive coordinator under Matt Rule in Carolina. And up until even with CMC getting hurt, Teddy Bridgewater played pretty well in this offense. Uh, it's basically the Saints offense with a little more downfield threat to it. And now you get Sam Darnold into it, who is the most talented quarterback. Him and Burrow are both more talented than Teddy Bridgewater. So we're going to see how this game, how this season goes. C-Mac is healthy. Uh, Robbie Anderson is healthy. DJ Moore is ready to roll. Um, so we're going to see how this season goes for the Panthers. But I expect them to put a hurting on the New York Jets. Uh, I would definitely take uh, Panthers minus four there. The Miami Dolphins are visiting Foxborough and Mac Jones. The Mac Jones era officially starts for Miami and the Patriots, who are three-point favorites. Um, I would say take the Patriots there. I think they went by four, ironically. So if it was a four-point favorite, I'd say take the Dolphins. Um, but it is a three-point game. I'm, I'm expecting something along the lines of 23-20 or 24-20, um, 27-24, you know, 27-23, uh, something like that, you know. But I would definitely take the Patriots. It's going to be close. Um, Brian Flores will look to confuse Mac Jones, but I believe that they're going to run the ball a lot. The Patriots ran the ball 52% of the time last year, um, which is the second most in the league behind the Seattle Seahawks. And I believe, or the Baltimore Ravens rather, and I believe that Mac Jones will throw about 24 passes, complete 18 of them for 202 yards, 230 yards, somewhere in there. A um, couple touchdowns, maybe one pick. But all in all, we're gonna, they're going to run the ball. Page is going to run the ball 40, 45 times. Ball control defense. Um, and squeak out a win for about four, anywhere from four to seven points. So I'll take the Patriots there. But then on the other side, you've got a little controversy. It may not be a lot. But everything is something. Um, and the Dolphins are the only team in the NFL, besides the Patriots, the only team with a returning quarterback that names yearly captains to not name their quarterback a captain. The only one in the league. I mean, everybody. Tyrod Taylor's the captain in Houston. Um, J.D. Bridgewater's the captain in Denver. I mean, name a team that does a yearly captain. They are the a quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is a captain in Jacksonville, as voted by your teammates. Every other team in the league that has yearly captains voted their quarterback a captain that wasn't a rookie. Then we throw Mac Jones in there. These are the only two quarterbacks in the league that are not year captains for teams that do yearly captains. Um, that's that's saying something. If I'm in the Dolphins locker room, that means they still they don't, they don't trust Tua. They don't trust Tua. And what's the phrase you hear all the time? You can't fool players? Well, the players are saying no to Tua. That's something. Not a whole hell of a lot, but it's something. And so I would keep my eye on the combustibility of the locker room in Miami. But in this game, I'm going to take the Patriots to win this game. Um, like I said, I'm going to go with 27-23. Um, would be the score 24-20 would be the score I'd be looking for if I'm a uh, Patriots, Patriots Dolphins. 
And then we're going to go with old faces, new places. So the Arizona Cardinals versus the Tennessee Titans. Um, Titans minus three uh, in that game. I would take Arizona. Uh, if the Titans win, it's going to be probably by a field goal. So I would take Arizona on the betting line. But um, Arizona features J.J. Watt who's an old face in a new uh, place. And then Tennessee Titans obviously features Julio Jones, who is an old face in a new place. Um, and so that's going to be a great game. Two expected high-flying offenses. We're going to see how Tennessee deals with the lack of Arthur Smith, who is now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, who is the offensive coordinator the past two years when Derrick Henry went ballistic and Ryan Tannehill looked great. Now Arthur Smith's out the door. So we're going to see if that was Arthur Smith or if that was truly Ryan Tannehill. Uh, but in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat. He's got his defensive pieces now. He lost Patrick Peterson and Malcolm lost Patrick Peterson to the Vikings, lost Malcolm Butler to retirement. Uh, so the secondary is definitely going to need some work besides Buda Baker. But he's got Isaiah Simmons. He's got J.J. Watt. He's got Chandler Jones. Uh, they, they've got a pretty good draft. And then they've got weapons on weapons on weapons on offense. And so we're going to see how the Cardinals play against the Tennessee Titans, who traditionally don't have a pass rush. They drafted two pass rushes because they didn't have one. So if Kyler's comfortable back there, those weapons are going to pick apart that Tennessee secondary, which is the, probably the weakness of their team. Green Bay Packers uh, travel to Jacksonville to play the New Orleans Saints. Packers minus three and a half. We're not going to pick a winner just yet. It's in Jack's pack. Um, the old face in the new place is Jameis Winston, was named the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the number one overall pick. In the same year, Marcus Mariota was drafted by the Tennessee Titans. Um, game was moved out of New Orleans due to Hurricane Ida. Um, and so they're going to play it in Jacksonville because Jacksonville is on the road in Houston. So they're going to play it in Jacksonville. Uh, Houston, ironically, was probably the other location that they were going to play it if um, they couldn't play in New Orleans. Awesome, they could not. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a good game. Very offensive game. Um, the Green Bay is not very good on defense, as we saw in the conference championship game. And New Orleans defense is very hit or miss. Sometimes it looks like the world's greatest defense. Other time it looks like not quite the 2011-2012 defenses, but... Uh, very middle of the pack average defense. So depending on what defense shows up against Aaron Rodgers, he's got a point to prove. Yes, he won MVP last year, but it was a lot of turmoil about retirement and moving on from him this offseason and what is going to happen and things of that nature. So we're going to see what Aaron Rodgers comes to play with. And again, we'll talk about that game a little more in Jack's pack. 49ers, eight point favorite over the Lions. Uh, the, the old face in the new place is Jerry Goff, quarterback for the Lions now, of course, because he was in the Matt Stafford trade. Um, in terms of the point spread, I'd probably pick the Lions, obviously picking the 49ers to win the game, though. Um, I expect the 49ers to dominate on the ground. Dan Campbell's coaching debut will not go well. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to kick his butt in terms of coaching, both mentally uh, and just having a system set. It's just kind of a bad spot for the Lions to debut, not going to lie. Uh, but having Jimmy G with a point to prove, I believe the 49ers are going to win that game fairly comfortably. Eight feels like a bid much to bet with. I'd probably go Lions on the betting line or the money or the uh, spread. But the 49ers are going to win that game fairly comfortably. Bears versus Rams. Um, two old faces and two new places. So old face, Andy Dalton. He's, he's obviously QB1 for the Bears. 
and old face Matt Stafford. It was the other half of the aforementioned trade. And he is the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Rams are minus seven and a half here. I would go Rams. I think this game's gonna get ugly quickly. The Bears don't have a good offensive line and you're playing the best defensive player in the past decade plus in Aaron Donald, along with the rest of his cohorts that also can pass rush. And it's in LA. And the fans already want Justin Fields to start. This just feels like an absolute mess of a hole for the Bears to be in. I think the Rams are going to win this game fairly comfortably. 27-13, 30-13, 30-17, something like that. It's not going to be close at all. Um, It might be over by halftime in terms of you can kind of feel the game is out of reach. might be over by halftime. But we're going to definitely keep our eye on that. But I would go Rams with the point spread, swallow the 7.5. Uh, Staff is going to have a field day and start his MVP candidacy. And then last game with a major old face and a major new place is the Seattle Seahawks versus the Los Angeles Colts. Uh, Colts are three-point underdogs there. Uh, we're going to talk about this game in Jack's Pack, so we're not going to pick a winner here. But obviously Carson Wentz is the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts now after being traded from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, He dealt with COVID and he's dealt with a foot injury in camp, but he is back healthy, ready to roll for week one. Uh, I expect this game to be a very physical game. This is two very physical football teams. Indianapolis defense is very physical, causes a lot of turnovers, and the offensive line is road grading. Now, they won't have Quentin Nelson, but they do road grade people with that offensive line. And we know what Seattle's about. Run the ball, play great defense. Russell Wilson save us on third down. Um, and so I expect a little bit more of that. They have a new offensive coordinator. Bill P. Carroll's identity is playing great physical defense and running the ball, throwing when necessary. And so I expect a very physical game to come out and uh, happen between the Seattle Seahawks and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, just um, some unfortunate player news. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens confirmed that they lost both Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards to season-ending torn ACLs, and both have gone on the injury reserve. Um, so Baltimore is still biting the injury bug. They've lost their top three running backs, and now Marcus Peters in the span of a few weeks. All is the season-ending injuries. Um, so it's getting rough in Baltimore. Starting to remind me of when San Francisco was going through their rough patch a couple years ago, where it seemed like they could never get healthy. The Chargers had a bad run there, where it felt like they could never get healthy. And so I, um, hopefully Baltimore can fix their injury woes and try and manage the season as much as possible. But up next, we're going to have our Jacks hack. guys and welcome back into the show and we're going to have our jacks pack which as you returning listeners know for new listeners i'm going to explain so jacks pack is our nfl betting segment where i will take five games um and list the playoffs and i do every playoff game but five games a week where i look at the point spread i say i like this team over that team so it's, it's not picking that team to win necessarily it is picking that team to win based on the point spread so quick explanation of the point spread for example if team a is a four point favorite over team b and i decide i'm going to take team a so I, I am saying team a will win the game by more than four points if the team a wins the game by four points or less then it goes to team B. So really, if it's four points, that's a bad example. 
But yes, uh, if, if, if team wins by less than four points, then team B wins the spread. So if team A is a four point favorite over team B, and I pick team A to win, cover the spread. And the final score is 27-24, team A, yes, team A got the physical victory, but team B wins the point spread because you have to subtract four points from team A. So in the point spread is 24-23, team B. Uh, or add four points, regardless. You know, it's a four-point difference. So that is a quick explanation of the point spread. Hope that guys made sense for those who are not really into betting. Uh, if you're in Louisiana like myself, sports betting is coming very, very, very soon. So um, keep your eye on that for states that are legalized, that you guys listen. Uh, make sure that you put in these bets. Like I said, we were under. We didn't do so great last year. We made it up in the playoffs big time. Uh, but we didn't do so great last year, but we're going to turn that around this year. I guarantee that. I love my numbers this first week. First week, so usually either a really, really good week for people or a really, really bad week. And then it kind of balances it out because you don't really know what you're getting, especially with no one playing in the preseason, but like Tampa and New England. A couple of the older coaches played the guys in the preseason, but they were even playing backups against them. So we don't really know how good they were. So you kind of basing it off last season, new acquisitions, a little bit of hope, a little bit of luck in week one. Uh, but then it kind of balances it out. Week one and week two is a little slow or really, really hot. And then it kind of comes back to the mean for weeks three and on. As I say about the playoffs, really good guys at this, including myself, are hot. Uh, I think I missed one playoff game against the spread, all playoffs. Um, and so you kind of get your, your, your feet under you by the time the playoffs come. But we're going to jump right into this. So the first game, we didn't talk about it at all in the previous segment. It's going to be Baltimore Ravens, the Monday night game. Baltimore Ravens, four-point favorite over the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to take the Raiders here. Um, the reason being is first games are usually kind of off everybody. John Gruden's really good in the month of September. He seems to be tail off towards the end. Baltimore is trying to figure out a football team. They don't have, they've lost their top three running backs. They're down a corner. They're down two of their top receivers. Um, they're going to go in there basically hoping and praying Lamar Jackson can be a magician, or they might not even win this game. Now, I do think they'll win it by about a field goal, but a field goal is less than four. And with Vegas Raiders being very good in September, John Gruden is historically very good before Thanksgiving, not so great after Thanksgiving. And the pressure is starting to heat up just a little bit on him from the uh, Vegas fans and the national media. So I believe that the Las Vegas Raiders may end up winning this game, but they're definitely going to lose it by less than four. So I'm going to go with the Raiders against the spread there. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going on the road to the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are getting six and a half points. Or the Steelers are getting six and a half points. Take the Steelers. To give Pittsburgh a almost touchdown against the spread, even on the road, that feels like a lot. Buffalo doesn't have a pass rush. So if you can't pass rush Pittsburgh, how are you supposed to stop that offense? Uh, Big Ben is in the best shape of his life, according to all the reports. You see a lot of ball action, a lot of ball power from Big Ben. Um, and you see where Najee Harris starts to make a difference in the run game. They didn't have any running backs last year. Najee Harris starts to make a difference in the run game. Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster are both back. James Washington is staying in the fold. He's back as well. Um, you've got a defense now. TJ Watt has his money. He's ready to roll. Minka Fitzpatrick trying to earn his money. Um, the defense is healthy. So I don't know how you, I mean, yeah, Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. He's, he's one of the top three or four guys. Uh, my dark horse um, MVP candidate is definitely one of, is, is Josh Allen. He, according to Vegas, he is the favorite to win the MVP this year. 
but six and a half points for Pittsburgh feels like a lot. I, I think Buffalo's going to win the game. But I think they're going to win it by more than a touchdown, uh, by a touchdown or more. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh there against the spread versus Buffalo. Green Bay, uh, we spoke about it earlier, is going to the Saints in Jacksonville uh, due to Hurricane Ida. It's going to be played in TIAA Bank, uh, which is the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. And so the Packers are three and a half point favorites there. I believe the line was not that when they were in New Orleans. I believe I believe it was almost a push from most sports books I had saw. Then when he got moved out of New Orleans, it became Packers minus three and a half because you lose that home field advantage. And but I would go the Saints here to flat out win the game. Um, Green Bay is not good at defending the downfield ball. What is Jameis Winston really good at? Throwing downfield. And there's no film on this style of offense. Uh, we haven't seen this level probably of downfield of production from the Saints in maybe a decade when it was bombs away with Drew Brees and the rest of those guys, Marcus Colson, Devery Henderson, um, you know, and those guys were going bombs away. Ted Ginn, uh, when he was there as well, Jameis Winston and Marquez Callaway are going to go down the field. Um, and so we're going to see a lot of that. Alvin Kamara, who's going to guard him on the uh, Packers? They don't have a great rush defense or great linebackers. And now you got Alvin Kamara coming to town. Yes, they're down Michael Thomas, so that probably rolls Jair Alexander to Marquez Callaway. But in the grand scheme, I just think that that deep passing attack is going to back off the safeties enough to allow Alvin Kamara to work in the in-between game, Adam Troutman, and the rest of that crew. And as regards to Aaron Rodgers, he's down David Bakhtiari. He is down chemistry-wise with the organization in general. Um, so I believe that due to that Bakhtiari injury, the Saints pass rush is going to get a little closer. Um, going to touch Aaron Rodgers up maybe a couple of times. Cam Jordan walks away with a sack or two. And the Saints win the game straight up. So, of course, I have them against the spread. Uh, take the Saints. Colts versus Seahawks. Another game we talked about earlier. Uh, one of those old face and new place games with Carson Wentz being in the Indianapolis uniform now. Um, Seattle is a three-point favorite on the road in Indianapolis. This is another one of those where I think the underdog is going to flat out win the game. I think Indianapolis might win this game by a touchdown. Uh, I have a lot of faith in the Indianapolis team. It's an, again, just like I spoke about the Saints. We're going to see a down-the-field attack with the Indianapolis Colts, something that they could not do last year with Phillip Rivers. They're going to do so with Carson Wentz. So I expect them to go down the field to really push the boundary of uh, that Seattle Seahawks defense, stretch those safeties back, make Jamal Adams have to cover, and really utilize um, the down the field threats with Michael Pittman and the rest of the crew. And of course, that defense led by Darius Leonard is hard hitting. They're very sound defensively. And so I expect the Colts to win that game straight up. So of course, I have them against the spread. And then Jacksonville, three-point favorite over Houston in Houston. I'm going to take Jacksonville to cover that. I think they're going to win by a touchdown or more. Really give Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence confidence in their new careers in the NFL. Uh, we saw Jacksonville struggle in the preseason in terms of finding an identity. But uh, that last game against the Cowboys, although it was the Cowboys backups, they seemed to figure it out. Seemed to figure out how they wanted to play. The play calling was a lot more streamlined. Uh, it looked like they finally got their sea legs under them. Houston, I believe, is trying to lose football games, although they have a lot of veterans there who are trying to maybe get one last payday or one last good season before they ultimately are out of the NFL. But I believe that Jacksonville will win this game by more than three points, uh, maybe like a touchdown. So with that being the case, uh, I would take Jacksonville against the spread. 
So just to recap the games, I would have Raiders over Ravens, Steelers over Bills, Saints over Packers, Colts over Seahawks, and Jacksonville over Houston. Now up next, we're going to shift sports, and we're going to go talk about the MLB and what's going down there as they're nearing the playoffs. Alrighty guys and welcome back in and now we're going to leave the NFL and we're going to shift to the MLB and just quickly talk about some news and the standings update as they're roaring towards the playoffs. So of course we jump into a new sport. We look at the standings and we're going to start with the NL and we're going to have the San Francisco Giants at one. Now this is in order of if the playoffs started today, how would the seating shake out? So the three division winners are Giants, Brewers, Braves. And then the three wild cards are the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Reds. And out in the AL, the three division winners would be the Rays, the Astros, and the White Sox. And the wild card teams are the Red Sox, Yankees, and Blue Jays. Um, just some, just to look at the standings and see what's going on, man. That AL East may have four teams in the playoffs, which is something that was people thought could have been possible for the NL West. But now the AL East has a very good chance of four teams in the playoffs. Um, that would be huge in terms of a division. You know, to brag, we got four out of the six playoff teams. You know, that's insanity. That's like, you know, the NFL getting a whole division in. It's, it's just wild. It's crazy. Um, it is super insane to try and get four teams in the playoffs. And then you look at the NL West, the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. Um, top to bottom, not the strongest division, but at the top, their top is better than the AL East's top because uh, the Dodgers are better than everybody else in the NL but the Giants. Um, and so absolutely insane. The Dodgers are really trying to get their feet under them. They still got a bunch of injuries, and they're still one of the best three or four records in the entire league. And so huge kudos to the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers for fighting through uh, up to this point to keep battling the Giants for the top of the NL. Uh, shout out the Braves for being in front of their division. Uh, they pretty much fired. So remember, they gave Max Scherzer and they gave Trey Turner to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they're currently first place in their division with the right of a pennant. Um, the right to get the playoffs to go for a pennant. So huge. Uh, up to the Braves for continuing to fight through their season. Shout out the White Sox. They've kind of come out of nowhere. They weren't really a team we talked about a lot leading their division. Now they're there. The Red Sox are storming up and the Yankees are cooling back off. Um, and so that's huge. Both of them are still in the playoffs. Just a matter of flipping their seedings around. So this is this is huge. Uh, the, uh, Major League Baseball is providing a lot of drama coming down the stretch with a lot of teams vying for playoff positioning. And so, you know, but the reason I wanted to jump in to MLB was there was a big, a big controversy. Hunter Renfro um, of the Red Sox reported and basically told everyone that the Major League Baseball itself told the uh, Red Sox to stop testing for COVID in the middle of a COVID outbreak. Um and so, of course, if this actually happened, this is beyond. I mean, this is extreme. This is a complete. A this is a complete 
disregard for the health of the players and the staff and the fans and the other team, disrespect for the league, um, minimizing COVID, putting finance. But this is everything bad that is stereotypically in big business and in sports. This would highlight it. And so Hunter Renfro said it. Um, it came out it was attached to Hunter Renfro and MLB categorically denies it, saying they never told the Red Sox any such thing. I don't think Hunter Renfro would just make this up. He's not a big enough player to kind of say this thing and kind of get away with it. Um, it's just the, the the potential implications of this. Let's just say Hunter Renfro is telling the truth and a federal, a federal investigation occurs into Major League Baseball. It's happened many times before. And it turns out that he's telling the truth. This would come down. The, I mean, this could be ramifications unforeseen like anything else we've ever seen. Because if you're blatantly telling members of your team, members of your league to not test for COVID in order to stop a COVID outbreak number from existing, basically, you are putting the health risk of everybody in that organization of the other teams in the league, of the fan base. You're putting it to their families, which in turn could spread out to other people. I mean, this could turn Major League Baseball has a lot of uh, favorable, favorable federal favors, including being not the antitrust act including a bunch of old rules that they've kind of skated around and they've dodged due to a lot of federal favors blatantly and explicitly telling a team not to test for covid during a covid outbreak just to avoid officially having a covid outbreak would be absolutely dastardly by major league baseball uh would be probably the biggest scandal in their history i'm talking bigger than the black Sox. i'm talking bigger than the steroid era i'm talking bigger than anything else major league baseball has ever had to deal with blatantly telling an organization yeah don't test for COVID during a COVID outbreak would fall as the biggest scandal major league baseball has ever had bar none um and so i i hope trevor i hope Hunter Renfro, rather, is not telling the truth in this situation. Or if he's telling the truth, they can't prove it or something. I don't know. But it would just put a big old black eye on Major League Baseball. Um, and, well, honestly, may are open in federal investigation to what else they could be potentially hiding. So uh, just even the implication of that is mind-blowing. Um, and then the other big news coming out today, broke all of 15 minutes ago, uh, was Trevor Bauer... Uh, his season is over. The uh, MLB and the MLB Player Association have agreed to extend his administrative leave through the rest of the season and the postseason following his uh, legal incidents. Um, no new evidence has come out. It's just they feel this is the best case scenario for him. So Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer's season is over. And so he can clearly he can focus on handling his business off the field um, rather than um, – Having that as a cloud over the team and the league because it was every week or every couple of weeks it was okay to come back this week. Oh no, we pushed out another week or two, and so now officially his season's over. Um, and those questions stop for the team, and they can officially focus on making their postseason run and trying to capture their second World Series uh, in a row. But up next, we're going to have our best for last, which is going to be a thank you to college football. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to have our best for last, which is going to be a thank you to college football. Uh, wow, 
we know we talked about opening week in college football. We talked about it in the NFL since this weekend, but college football's real opening weekend was last weekend. You had Alabama, Miami. You had LSU on the road versus UCLA. You had Jackson State and FAMU on ESPN2. You had Tennessee State and Grambling State on NFL Network. You had Clemson versus Georgia. You had Tulane going to Oklahoma dealing with Hurricane Ida. You had um, Virginia Tech playing North Carolina. You had Notre Dame versus Florida State. Massive week one games all across the country. Um, you had uh, a Penn State, Wisconsin. Um, and I said massive week one games all across the country. And then every corner of the country was involved in some major game um, across the college football landscape. So absolutely huge. The crowds were amazing. Iowa back to doing their way to the Children's Hospital. Wisconsin doing jump around. You know, the Rose Bowl being full. Thanks a lot of LSU fans. But the Rose Bowl being full for UCLA and LSU coming off their lowest attendance ever. Uh, during the Chip Kelly era, you had Georgia and Clemson throwing it back probably 25 years in terms of how football used to be played. Physicality, the only touchdown being on defense, 10 to 3. Um, you had Oklahoma doing what Oklahoma does, which is engaging in a shootout even against a lesser opponent in Tulane. You had Tulane pulling off the damn watermelon kick and almost upsetting the number two or three team in the country. You had Virginia Tech knocking off the Heisman winner with Sam Howell having his worst game as a, as a college player and also his first game without his weapons he's used to playing with. You had UCLA announcing their official arrival by knocking off a reeling LSU program. Uh, which, which could be going through a lot of changes soon. Edo's runs on the hot seat in Baton Rouge. I, I, I'm, I'm in Baton Rouge. Trust me, I know. He's on the hot seat out there, and he's playing his son this weekend, uh, who's the starting quarterback for McNeese. You know, but you got UCLA announcing their arrival. Chip Kelly's finally got that program rolling. You've got Ohio State saying, here's the next in the great line of quarterbacks with C.J. Stroud and how he played. You've got Georgia officially announcing their arrival with the way they punish physically Clemson. They only beat them by seven, but they physically beat Clemson up all night. Um, you know, you've got Alabama saying we're still the best program in the country. They absolutely annihilated a very overrated Miami team, um, destroyed them and ushered in their new era, which is going to be the Bryce Young era. Uh, you've got Cle uh, the best story of the weekend was nearly Florida State. It might still be Florida State, Notre Dame, where the starting quarterback comes out for Notre Dame for a play. I can't think of the kid's name right now. And Mackenzie Milton. You guys remember Mackenzie Milton? Uh, UCF was going to be a first or second round draft pick. Uh, his leg gets absolutely destroyed uh, to the point where his doctors and his medical team thought, he, one, he might lose the leg. Then when losing the leg was dodged, then it was he'll never walk without pain again. Then that got dodged somehow. Then he was practicing. Then he comes into the game. He leads back-to-back -back scoring drives to get them into overtime. Um, and then the coach timeout to review to move the kick up. Kicker makes the kick. Uh, the, the practice kick basically misses the actual kick. Notre Dame wins the game. It was insane. Mackenzie Milton almost brings Florida State back to knock off the number nine team in the country. Um, absolutely wild. This weekend is going to be crazy. You've got Iowa, Iowa State, nine versus ten. Um, it's probably the biggest game ranking wise on the agenda, um, but it's just absolutely ridiculous. Welcome back college football, the pageantry. You've got certain teams opening their stadiums. Alabama's first game at home. Now it's against Mercer. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be asking for mercy by about halftime. Um, LSU opens their uh, Tiger Stadium 
back to being full versus Magnese. Like I said, the Orgeron Bowl, as they're calling it. Um, you know, you've got several teams. USC looks like they're pretty good this year. Michigan might have a damn quarterback finally. Um, it, it's it's in, it's insane what's going on. Tennessee looked good. Joe Milton and that new uh, system up there. So Milton transfers in the quarterback from Michigan. He transfers in Michigan degree in hand. And then they have a new coach in Tennessee as well. Um, Florida, like they have their next quarterback in Emory Jones. Uh, it's just, it's crazy what's going on in college football. Um, the passion is there. Like I said, you got the HBCU showing out with Jackson State um, versus FAMU in that uh, classic, Orange Blossom classic, very defensive game. But Deion Sanders' son, um, both of his sons, Shiloh had the biggest hit of the night. And then his son Shador looks great at quarterback, even as a freshman, as an 18-year-old. And then you've got Dion trying to get the names on the back of the jerseys for everybody in the swag. Also, Dion's talking about making a super conference, HBCU super conference. He said to rival the SEC of sorts. He absorbed the last six uh, football playing teams in the MEAC to have like a 16 or 18 team conference in the swag, all playing football. Uh, and so the, that conference schedule would be crazy. Probably nine conference games. Uh, you play everybody on your side. If it's 18 teams, play everybody on your side, and then you play one cross conference game. Um, that would be wild. It's just, it's crazy, you know, Jackson. And then now Jackson State's going to play Tennessee State. And so the two former NFL Hall of Fame coaches are going to be going at each other. Dion for Jackson State, of course, and Eddie George is the head coach of Tennessee State. They play this weekend. Um, and so it is in another one of those classic bowl atmosphere type games. Um, Absolutely insane. It's going to be great. Uh, I, I, the sport's on full display. The pageantry is back. Um, even schools affected by Hurricane Ida. Like I said, Tulane went and fought hard against Oklahoma and almost won. LSU kind of wet the bed. Um, as an LSU fan, I'm very disappointed in that game. But Chip Kelly put on a clinic. But LSU went and wet the bed against UCLA. Uh, my own mater, Southeastern, went and took care of business versus North Alabama. Um, because our campus just got power back today. Uh, and so uh, they had to move the game from Hammond. Uh, but, I mean, absolutely great opening football weekend um, from college football and absolutely great open weekend, I expect, from the NFL. Also, congratulations to T.J. Watt for signing the best deal in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, four years, $112 million, $80 million guaranteed when he signs his name. He gets it in the first three years. Um, it completely changed the way Pittsburgh has ever done their contract structure. They've never offered a guarantee structure that strong, and it goes to TJ Watt. But that is all we have for the day. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Friday. I hope you guys have a great football watching weekend, um, college and pro, high school as well. It's Friday Night Lights. Um, I hope you guys definitely follow and definitely definitely follow the twitter instagram and facebook pages at jtime sports for your breaking news and updates and win the show and breaking news throughout the sporting world and don't forget to like rate and subscribe on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and i hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend this is your host justin jackson signing out